<clears throat> Welcome to Oddcast. Oddcast. You're listening to Oddcast. Welcome to Oddcast. Hello, hello, it's Philip J. Mellon for Oddcast. Today we're in conversation with Tracy Silva Barbosa, and we enter the world of Eastern Western influences and the depth of a layered landscape experience. So. We are sitting here virtually with Tracy Silva Barbosa. Hello, Tracy. Welcome to Oddcast. Hi, Phil. Good morning. Good morning. All right. I, um, I'm trying to think here. Where should I go in the beginning of this fine interview? Um, I, I had the luxury of seeing um, about four of your paintings last night, and, and uh, I just wanted to say that that was enjoyable, and... Um, I'm trying to think here. Um, and that was nice because I hadn't seen your work in a while. And I have also been lucky enough to be at your studio, which was nice. And, and I guess now you're, um, you're now stationed in New Bedford, Massachusetts. Is that correct? Yes, I am. I'm carrying on the torch of the whaling Portuguese connection nice. of New Bedford, Massachusetts. Nice. <laughs> I'm excited about it. Yeah, and you settle in okay? Yeah, we're still building up the space, but it'll be done March 1st, and I'll be rolling. Oh, cool. And it was definitely uh, nice to be invited to show some paintings at um, the Poor Farm. like that place. Yeah, it's a great little tavern. Yeah, it, there's a lot of nice places in New Bedford, and it's, it's so, so great to see such a small city uh, really take on supporting the arts more than any small city I've seen. Yeah, I, I kind of feel that way, too. I'm not well-traveled uh, compared to some, but um, coming back from Philadelphia and moving back to Massachusetts, it was definitely um, f uh, a great thing to, to run into New Bedford and for the first time after growing up in Massachusetts. So uh, it took me uh, about 27 years to finally figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Do you think it's the spirit of Melville? I mean, he's just, like, seeping up. <laughs> well, it, I think it's gone a ways for that city, but, yeah, right now it's definitely, like, I feel like, to use a great art term, is a, um, sort of a renaissance for that city. Yeah, there's there's some sort of soul there that makes the people special and the, right. and the streets special. And um, <clears throat> it reminds me of how I felt in New York when... I was living there for a while, and I just felt like there was this energy and creativity, like, pulsing up from the ground. And it's, of course, really intense in New York. It's, like, the heart of it. But to come out to, you know, something that's not so central, but it, it's in such a dramatic landscape. It's right on the water. It, right. There's just some age there that it's just so seated. It's a very beautiful little city. So you also um, lived in, uh, was it? Uh, I, whereabouts in California were you there? You were there for a few years, right? Yeah, I lived in Oakland and I lived in uh, San Francisco for the last year I was there. Oh, and okay. a little of San Ho, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I 
And um, that, that was... was a interesting time in my life. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. But um, San Francisco was where the most of my... It's where my paintings were born, I think. Okay. It's living out in San Francisco. Um, like what you said, taking 20 years to come back to where you come from and to realize what's special about it. Right. Um, moving out to California... Uh, awakened me to plants and animals and birds, especially. I, I became a little bit of a birder out there. Oh, that's cool. And, yeah, so it was this time where I lived in Oakland in this in this really post-industrial like wasteland mess. It was so gnarly. Yeah. But just like a drive out, you would end up in the most beautiful places, and that that contrast of the landscape just really started to inspire me. So when I came back to New York, I, I took all of the photos from my life in California and I started to apply them to paintings. Right. And, and these dreamlike constructions of past landscapes mixed together in, in a kind of broken up way. So. That's, um, that's a nice way to describe the work. Um, I'm, I think my first question, which uh, might follow that up, is um, uh, where I'm, I'm looking at my notes here. Bear with me. Um, uh, I, I guess let me ask you about a little bit about your inspiration. Like I know you just touched upon that a little bit, but what, what do you feel uh, feeds your work more? Would it be uh, other art forms or your own work or your dreams or or, or life or, or some some other uh, some other potential uh, aspects? Well, uh, I think. At the core is anxiety and depression. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a lot of things I think that I bring to the canvas. Um, I was trained as a dancer my whole life. Uh, I don't dance anymore. Um, just simply, I'm older and I, I dance with my kid, but I'm not too serious anymore about ballet or anything. But I did it for 18 years. Wow. And... Um, I feel like the core of my, the base of my paintings, the first layers of paint that I apply are always informed by my dance. Right. Uh, the arcs of the strokes, the, the composition of, of how color plays off of itself, it really touches back to dancing in, in this crazy way for me, especially when I do a really big painting because yeah. my body is involved. But that's really just the base. That's the background, the part that almost disappears and you don't notice. Um, and in that way, of course, like everyone says, that their paintings are all self-portraits. Um, so then I build up on that. And I think what comes next is like a, um, a printmaking and glass inspiration. Okay. I, I work in glass as well. And I, I really like the uh, atmosphere and the clarity and the ethereal quality of many, many layers of, of uh, imagery that you can kind of see through and they start melding into each other. And so I bring that to the paintings. I, I take my glass experience and really add lots of clear layers and do some printmaking of various forms on there. Um, I did a lot of printmaking at MassArt, my oh, alma yeah. mater. Yes. <laughs> where Kiki Smith was there um, taking over the glass and printmaking department when I was uh, just a little budding wow. artist. 
So she really took it over and did her, her, her work that she's really well known for now seems to have started at MassArt. So she's inadvertently a huge influence on me. Right. I, I didn't know that. That's great. Um, I think at the time, uh, when, when did you study anyway? What, what years was, was, uh, I graduated mass, the mass art glass department in 1999. Oh, okay. Okay. So you, um, I, I took some years off after uh, high school, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I graduated 2003, but so that's interesting. But, um, yeah. yeah. And uh, back to the glass thing. I mean, it, w while you were in California, uh, it, I was reading on your website that you were working with a John Lewis. Yes, uh, Big JL. Nice. <laughs> Where, yeah, I was his personal assistant um, for three years and kind of worked as a project manager, um, cheerleader, yeah. dog trainer, wow. <laughs> worker. Uh, I ran the milling machine a few times. Wow. Uh, you know, did everything. That uh, must be something. I, uh, I don't. I don't know much about glass work, but I, I've seen a few. Um, unfortunately, not any of yours in person, but I've seen them on the website. And um, the presentation is, is, is spectacular and, and um, just lends itself to uh, what a nice extension to your to your paintings, which are, are in great number too. And um, I just enjoyed that. Um, yeah, there there's that um, there's that place where glass artists always find themselves less now. I think there are a few more glass artists these days who have crossed over into the purely fine art yeah. realm. Um, Josiah McElhaney's been doing a lot of that, but he's still doing like cups and plates and th things like this. But well, no, his sculptural work now is, is very uh, amorphous. Um, but I think, this problem that glass artists have had with, is it decorative? Is it art kind of question that you always get, you know, dealt when you're a glass blower or when you're right. working in glass. I know John has that issue too, where some of his fine art are vessels. Okay. Um, and you know, some can see it as true fine art and others see it as de decoration, uh, decorative art. And I think that that is something that I, I get too, as in my paintings and my glass, because they are informed by decorative arts. Um, I do care if the gold leaf is perfect, you know, on right. my glass or what the application sits like. And, and those are really decorative concerns. Um, so there is that kind of place where like, is it just decorative art or is it real art, you yeah. know? And, uh, the glass, the presentation of it, I think, I think one day I'll be able to really put it into a space that I feel sings the way I want it to in both decorative and fine art sense. I'd like it installed in a wall and lit a certain way. And, yeah. You know, so we'll get there. Yeah, well, you're, you're certainly <laughs> working a lot. And I, I really enjoy how, um, you know, if there was to, to speak of two worlds, whether it's a decorative or the craft or the... the, the um, not sure if that was another word that you mentioned, but into the fine arts. Blue chip or fine art. Whatever. Right, right. Um, that the the technique that you use, which, which I've, um, which I admire, is is the, the the transfers and things like that. Which I mean, you know, you're composing, and and, and so I, I think that anything that's really composed can be considered like fine art in a way. You know, as far as like it, an image based um, medium. Yeah. Um, so 
I don't know. I guess it's a debate for some, but... Yeah, I, I, like I was saying, it's more of a debate for, like, people in glass who yeah. are concerned with it or... I don't know. I, I really can't help what I make. It just comes out of me. Right. <laughs> so I... Sometimes I'll be like, oh, I hate this piece, you know, and I'll just keep working on it. And it's just this reaction to myself, I guess, at times. And then when I show it, it just takes on a new light when people react to it. It's it really is like I couldn't just say, oh, I'm going to start doing this style now, you know, and just change yeah. my style. I, I don't think I could just do that. You know, it's it's something that's so. Uh, ingrained in me, like how I start my paintings, how I move through them, the answers to my, you know, compositional questions, and I don't know, I, I feel like it's really innate. Um, yeah. So, so, so was, if it's decorative, it's, if it's fine art, whatever. Right, yeah. <laughs> it, people love to put things in, in little categories, don't they? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, it seems um, that you've been pretty pretty busy and uh, making making a lot of work, and I'm wondering if if any of that's interrupted by say uh, creative block or or you ever get stuck or anything like that. And like, how do you find yourself getting out of those uh, moments? My daughter's pink eye. Ah, <laughs> that that stops me sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd say like one of the biggest inspirations and distractions is being a mother right I, it's really a lot of work but it's as much work I guess as if you want to make of it because for me her every waking moment I want to be giving her something yeah. like to think about to learn or so um the way I've hurdled that challenge is to include her in my studio for as much as I can like yeah. she, she has her own studio in my studio space and uh, she gets down so that, that helps me but um, even greater than that is my life partner Chris he is uh, always helping with um, not only her you know whisking her away to the park for me to get yeah, some, yeah. some acetone work <laughs> right. Um, he's also great in my dark times, those times where, yeah, I can't get in the studio for whatever reason is in my brain and he can just kind of like be the sunshine and just be like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, that's great. In there, you know, and right. I really, I call him my muse. Oh, wow. He really is the yeah. end. You know, I, it's not just a compliment or a cutesy thing, but. It's it's real hard to create without him in my life. Yeah. So it's um that's been a really amazing thing for my work. Is that in a lot of ways it's as much his. Right, and it just sort of uh, helps you along and allows you to to be a little bit more free with your process and and whatnot. Oh yeah, yeah, and he's he's just the funniest and the darkest humor. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just really like that. He'll just kind of say something flip in the car and it'll create a whole new painting for me. Wow. So it's like, I don't know what it is, but I like it. It's amazing how it <laughs> seems to translate into, uh, potentially into your work and yet there's no, f uh, well, maybe I've seen one with a figure in your work, but um, generally, oh, okay. I'm sorry. I said, oh, right. Yeah, I, I, I'm. I kind of stay away from the figure. You're right. Yeah, yeah. It's um, but well, th there's other actors, so to speak, in your in your paintings. Yeah, I think the actor is the viewer. Oh, great! 
that's why I, I it's a real um, in, it's a real intentional move to leave people out of it. Yeah. It, taking from that the German um, what was that school uh, that's escaping my mind right now. Um, I for some reason I don't know if this relates, but is is it the Blue Rider Group by chance or? No. No. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> good one, though. Sorry. Yeah, that's just like sort of random pop up in my brain. It was a, a landscape movement early on in like the eighteen uh, hundreds. Okay. Uh, but it's kind of like like Casper David Frederick was part of it. These like really kind of Turner esque uh, ethereal oh, landscapes yeah. that that started. They were like the burgeoning abstract movement. Okay. But they came from the landscape, and the, there was this, there was this theory in the painting where you're observing this perfect landscape, and there, there is this presence of God in in that way, a very loose presence of um, of uh, the greater. Right. And <clears throat> I like that. It's very illustrative. I really like Frederic's paintings. There's something so mystical about them, but it's pre-fantasy uh, art kind of work. Right. Um, so uh, that kind of inspires my paintings a lot. It's taking from the uh, landscape and, and using the viewer. Yeah, and there um, seems to be a lot of uh, what, what you do generally by hand, as well as with somewhat, um, if I can call it technology by chance, is that, is that like as far as um, well, maybe it's not that, but how, how do you get your prints? Because I know you use some some printing involved in your paintings. Yeah, uh, there's a few different kinds of printing involved, hand applications um, or mono printing, as you know, some people would call it. Uh, they're they're done within um, lots of layers of translucent paint, and I'll do like a, a Xerox transfer using gel medium acrylic gel medium. And I also do some uh, other types of uh, acetone transfers that I've appropriated to work with gel mediums, some oh. silk screening, uh, some hand inking, uh, some straight up collage using uh, silk papers. Okay. Um, so there's like lots, it's decoupage, I guess. And it's like a mixture of all these different types of applications all in one painting. So like a jewel when you look at it when you look at the true surface and the all the layers within kind of intermeshing all of these disparate photos um i really like the effect yeah it's uh, certainly got a lot of um depth in it um sort of uh the, the hand the human hand is definitely involved which is, yeah. <laughs> which is always good <laughs> yeah lots um, of rubbing yeah yeah. <laughs> lots of rubbing they don't make a glove for that do they <laughs> no but we've tried to design one. Oh, well that would be nice to crack that code if you, you'd be rich <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah well who cares <laughs> yeah I guess the only way to really be rich is real estate I have no idea yeah well <laughs> um, that's beyond me <laughs> um one thing I want to ask you, if uh, you could possibly use three, roughly three, three to five words or so that don't necessarily have to connect to one another except for their relation to your work, but could you describe your work in three, three, uh, three fancy words? Three fancy words? Well, they don't have to be fancy. They could be dumb. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, let me see. Um, I suppose it could be Baroque and Minimal. Oh, wow, yeah. And what's the last word? Contemplative. Nice. I, I like the fact that you mentioned Minimal because I, I feel like um, I've... For some reason, even though generally I feel most of your work is, is like complex in the way it's like composition and everything, but the, the end result somehow I, is, is kind of that way. And, you know, it's just for me, like my personal experience with it. Um, and, I, and, I, and I remember on one of my blogs, I grouped you with uh, Warren Rohr, who is, could be considered also a minimalist in some way, and yet... That may have been a stretch for some, but I, I, I just see a parallel between what you do and what he does, it, it, generally with the layering. And, and he, he masks a lot of his layers, but mm. I feel like some of yours you can see a little bit more, but there's somehow a, 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 um, a, a sort of kindred, kindred spirit there. Yeah, I, I think it's um, finding that pattern in nature. Uh, cer certain images that I overlap will just start tangling each other and, and kind of canceling each other out. Um, and I like that. Uh, like I, I, in particular, I'm thinking of this mixture where I, I use these, uh, these images of the cross section of a plant cell wall. And I kind of overlap that with these number patterns and these tree branches. And they just really become this like primordial kind of pattern. Uh, and when you're when you step back, you you kind of looks gray or brown. But when you get closer, you can see all of the the different images sort of overlapping each other. And and in that sense, I think it becomes minimal. Right. Yeah. There's sort of a um, is it safe to say it's somewhat like well, there's there's at least two experiences like the the close and then the the farther away. Mm. And there's sort of a optical thing that possibly happens when you when you step back. You think. Yeah, I do. I, I use a lot of repetition of images in the in the paintings um, that you might not notice right off, like some of my flower patterns that I use that are all derived from photos I've taken of plastic flowers. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I, I might repeat those throughout the piece in this kind of um, degeneration of image uh, that really you don't see it un until you've lived with the painting for a while. And then you might notice how this loop repeats throughout the center of the painting or something. And, and it, at first you might have thought it's just like a brush stroke, you know, but right. it really turns out to be these, these uh, ghost prints of the same image just repeated off into the distance or something. So right. I like that. It's like a tell to how the paintings were made. Right. That's the number one question I get when I show my work is just people get right up to it and say, yeah. how was this made, how did you, do you know, <laughs> and I really like that. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. yeah. But you, you, you leave some, um, some answers in the painting itself for the yeah. viewer. Yeah, I do. You know, so lots, lots of people might think it's just like a print on canvas, you know, yeah. done on a computer, right. but when you get close enough it can't possibly be that there it's actual it has actual thickness and depth right in between so there are physical layers 
Right. And it's talking about printing. It's talking about mass production and, and how, you know, our experience with our landscape now, there's, you know, chain link fences and, and just the buildings are all repeats of one another and the, and the finding the nuances in our peripheral environment um, ends up being a task for your own mind. <laughs> yeah. If that makes any sense. No, I, I think it, well, the, what you just triggered in my mind was um, thinking that taking what you're talking about and seeing it and, and, and sort of processing it and composing it and placing it on, on a format, which is, you know, often rectangular or, or square um, and, and just showing us what your take on things, which is interesting. If that made any sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's true. Like the within the confines of a square or a rectangle, it's quite a task. Yes. So yeah. I admire movie makers and yeah. anyone who can take that on and bring you in. It's, it's a really cool thing. Now, um, I, I guess I sort of uh, asked you about the technology, but I and and you did sort of mention briefly what you how you use it in your work. Um, maybe I can talk to uh, you about the internet a little bit, and in a way that um, it may affect your work because of the you obviously on a website or, or on um, on the uh, the good old computer screen, what have you. You you can't necessarily see the physical layers, but um, it becomes more of a two dimensional image. Um, do you do you think that like um, it's it's it helps or hurts or, or? it's it's a crazy relationship. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I feel like I try my best to portray what the pieces are when I shoot them, right. or you know details and whatnot. But it really it, it's just remarkable how you cannot grasp like what it is until you're right in front of it. Yeah. Um, I, I admire people who do buy my paintings right off the site that haven't seen them before. Right. I mean, it's kind of rare. People have usually seen at least one and then they come back and they have an idea of what the piece already looks like. Okay. Yeah. Um, but you know, I've recently sold a piece to somebody in San Francisco who just surfed the net and found my site right. and, and bought a painting, and I was just kind of like, "Are you sure?" <laughs> I don't. I, I mean, I love the piece, but and he got it, and he loved it. But yeah, I think there is this major disconnect with what they actually are. Right. Yeah. Um, so I end up, you know, sending a lot of uh, sample, smaller paintings to people to show them what the job. Oh, that's a nice move. Yeah. Um, yeah, like little small ones, because I, I do sell a lot through interior designers. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know they they want to match the couch, so yeah, they do. That, that's what I hear, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind. Yeah, no. Well, ultimately, it's it's got to fit in their world too, in a way. Yeah, I've been lucky enough to to uh, work with some designers that are so respectful of my creative intent. They right. they basically want to give me the least amount of info and just say go. Okay. Yeah. So, that's been great. I, I really, I think it's one of the best ways to work. So, Let me so see. yeah, I don't know. I, I'm thinking of doing some like flatter online type things on my website, you know, okay. like, uh, like real simple prints on paper or something that really are what they look like on the oh, site. Oh, okay. Um, you know, as a kind of quicker thing to see and like and, 
perhaps purchase or you know just be another body of work. But yeah, it, it is. It's it's really weird. It makes me think of like looking through the diamond catalog, like Zales diamond. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, who the heck wants a dumb diamond? You know. But then I guess when you see them in person, there's something else happens. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not a diamond person. <laughs> no, I, I I was, but no longer. I mean, it was. It's been about five years since I've really been addicted to diamonds. But oh, you were addicted to diamonds? Well, no, that was kind of a, a, a being facetious, but. <laughs> Either that or I'm just trying to hide my past. I don't like know. Some taunting guy walking around with your big diamond earrings. Yeah, well, there's a lot of pawn shops in, around town, so I could certainly, um, you know, make some money back. Um, I can just picture you with, like, one of those fat, like, fishbone gold necklaces. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking about, you know, working on my teeth a little bit. But, um, yeah. But that's... You mean, like, uh, getting some gold fronts? Um, potentially, yeah, um, uh, uh, yeah, um, you know, of course, you know, being an artist, it doesn't always allow for frivolous spending such as, um, you know, work on my grill, but, um, yeah. but hey, you know, um, which leads me to my next question, um, <laughs> how and when, or, or I guess that's a good way to begin it, how and when do you feel that you fell in love with art, or started to feel you became an artist? Um, I do have a moment in in my childhood where I remember creating something that was absolutely useless. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and, um, and I just thought, like, wow, really, there's something there. You know, like that I started kind of pushing me to, to make more things and do more drawings. But I... Uh, as a kid, we had a grapevine in the backyard, yeah. and I wanted to climb to the top and kind of sit on top of the grapevine, so I started to make this ladder out oh, of wow. these old pieces of wood that were way too flimsy to yeah. ever hold me, <laughs> and the, the ladder was just bending. You, I leaned it up on top of the grapevine, and it made this huge bow, Wow! and uh, I loved it. I was like, that is beautiful. Okay. Yeah. I think that that was uh, one of the earliest moments where I saw I saw the beauty in that object, but yeah. didn't necessarily know what was going on. Okay, so uh, now it bowed, um, and it was just a sort of upside down arc that you 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 started right. to have an affinity for. Yeah, that's great. Right, um, it, and it was a ladder. It had the slats going across. Right, um, but you know it was. It was you could never even try to climb it. Yeah, it's a and wonder. And I remember uh, my brother, my old, he's two two years older than me, and he'd be like, "What are you doing? That, that thing's <laughs> just not going to work." And he's the engineer, you know. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, I I believed him, and I knew he was right, but I just did it anyway. I finished it, and to me, that's sculpture, and and it, and it provoked this emotional reaction in me where I thought it was a beautiful thing, and it was made out of all of this old wood that, from. Um, this demolition work my father was doing in our old house at the time. So it was this really old slat, slatted wood that goes between the plaster and the walls. Oh, okay. Yeah, so... Wow, that's, that's yeah, that's really flimsy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or brittle, even. And it's basically like a, what do you call it, veneer? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You're right. <laughs> so that's that would be it. And also, like I said, I did 
I danced since I was around four years old. And yeah, I'm glad you brought that up again because I wanted to say something. But I'll let you finish and then. Oh, that I was just gonna say that was. Uh, yeah. All my doing, I always wanted to do it since I could remember, and and it was a big part of my life for a long time. It just helped you express in a different way, huh? Right, yeah. and it, you know what? That also made me fall in love with a studio. Oh, okay, yeah. Dance studio, the idea of a studio, you know, the right. place where you just have no rules, you leave your rules at the door. Yeah. And it's this big, clear, open space. I love that. I still right. am in love with that. There's, um, when you, when you I think you were touching upon this earlier, and you said something about dance, obviously, um, in some way, beginning your paintings. And I thought it was interesting because you seem to work with color in that way, or, or at least that, that's how I received what you were saying. And then also you tend to use, in some of your paintings, the, the mark making, which, it, which is not just like small strokes or short strokes, or, uh, but there, there's almost like some of the, the, the I'm trying to think of a word, um, like a curvilinear line that just sweeps the, uh, across the whole canvas or like some calligraphy inspired movements that, that are rather large. And um, I was curious to see, like, do you think that was inspired by potential like, or, or, or past dance movements or? For sure. Yeah. yeah. I think the, the arc, the arc that changes everything, you know, there's, there's always this arc in, in the paintings that uh, will transition one color to another. Um, I think that, that I, I think that's what you're talking about, like these simple strokes that kind of affect, they drip and they, they kind of seep into the other tones. Right. Um, so it does become a lot about transition of light and color in those strokes, which are really influenced by Sumi, Sumi work. Um, I went to Japan in uh, 98, and there's just something amazing about the simplicity of their their reverence for the simplicity of a brush stroke. Yeah, yeah. That I really love. So I think that that's um, that's in there with my paintings. I I can't the the Asian influence is definitely there. Did uh, that experience uh, influence some of the formats that you use, like the sort of vertical rectangles and? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, the scroll. Um, right. The tail of Genji screens are, are something that I think about a lot, like these landscapes that tell a story that kind of go in this, uh, it, it's sculptural and it's actually sculptural because you're, they're physically making a painting so large right. that it has to be rolled on one side to keep seeing it and there's a story told. Uh, I like that about the scroll format or a more horizontal or a vertical, um, you know, dramatic rectangle. Right. I think it's really sculptural. Like when I do verticals, I like to do them almost the size of a human. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like a mirror, you know, like you're standing in front of a mirror or something. It has a very human presence when it's, yeah, I'm glad you said that. I didn't think of that, but but I do know that like some of them were what about 48 inches tall or whatever, and I yeah, that tends to be the general size of my verticals now. But I I've done quite a few that are like six and eight feet. Oh, okay. Um, not recently. Um, now that I have a studio space with higher ceilings again, they'll come right. back. But, oh, uh, great. 
I think I'm definitely, you know, I'm affected by the space I'm working in. So yeah. I've been working in a smaller space for this past year and it certainly shows in like the scale of the work. Right. But, um, but yeah, I do like to do verticals that are like six feet tall or five feet tall that kind of feel like, you know, you're looking into a reflection or something. Yeah, that's, um, do you feel like with the, the lower ceiling, I mean, this may be just sort of a strange practical thing, but do you think, did, did that lead you to do more panoramic stuff or, or was that just something that you, you did even before that when you had that space? Yeah, I did do it before I had this space, but I, I think it does affect it. I think this, the amount of vertical space I have above my head right. I'm working, it, ha it does have a lot to do with the, the size and, and the feel of my paintings. I, I'm sure of it. I, I can feel the space around me, you know. And if I if I have a lot of space to work in, then, gosh darn it, I'm doing a 10-footer. Yeah, you're going to listen. And uh, you've... Um, as as people will find on your website, you you've worked on a a, a monster painting in, in your past, haven't you? I mean, at least one that I know of, but potentially yeah. more. Yeah, yeah, that uh, was that was fun. Yeah, how how big was that one roughly? Uh, I don't want to exaggerate. Cause I don't remember the numbers offhand. Uh, they're on my site. Uh, oh, okay. Well, I, I thought I saw somewhere that it said it's close to fifty feet, wasn't it? No. Oh, okay. I think it's like thirty. Oh, thirty. Well, I, I think it's. 30 high by 18 wide. That's all? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it was, it was uh, I got, I had a scissor lift to work on. Yeah, that's great. That was great. I, I would really like to do that again. Um, there was a plan in the works to do another one for the same people in a okay. different building, but then the market crashed. Oh, boy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's all we have to say about that. Yeah, but, well, yes. Uh, we shall move on from, from yeah. that horrible reality. Well, um, that painting is in Greenwich, Connecticut, the one you're talking about. The okay, yeah. One. And it's in a, a public space. It's in the Greenwich Atrium, which is a um, an office building, but it has a you know an open atrium that you can go in. And it's cool. Whenever I drive down to New York from Massachusetts, I if I can, I'll stop by and look at it. Oh, that's great, yeah. And I'll have like a serious moment where I'm like, oh my goodness, what if I walk in and it looks terrible? What if I walk uh, in and I don't like it anymore? Right. But really, every time I've gone to visit, I walk in and I'm like, damn, that's nice. Yeah, you, you kind of forget. Um, and then it's nice to remind yourself. That, yeah, it's uh, fun. It's, it's an accomplishment for sure. It, it achieves what I wanted it to. It yeah. was like, it's just this moment look up at this really tall painting and it's like big sky. Right. It's nice. Well, Tracy, that's, um, I believe all the official questions I have. Um, I, let me see. Uh, I, I could ask a boring question if, if, uh, if that's okay, but it's, it's sort of the, how I usually begin the, the interviews, but I guess maybe to, to finish things out as far as your process, um, when you begin your works, do you tend to um, have what I sometimes call a blueprint, or does it sort of uh, grow a little more organically uh, as long as I, the process goes? Right. I I do have I, – I do thumbnails. Oh, okay. Thumbnail sketches of like like with the movement, what we were talking about, about the general movement of the paintings being dancerly. Right. My thumbnails tend to be mostly that. 
Um, sometimes I'll have like a very specific idea. Like back in the day, I did a piece called Tethered Chandelier. Okay. And it was this chandelier very centered on the on the painting, and it was being um, kind of tied down to the earth by all of these birds weaving this tape, this gold tape from the chandelier. And that that was one piece that I had such a clear idea of what I wanted. It was so clear. But most of the pieces that I do do are all about thumbnail sketches, and then I kind of work through the colors and hem and haw about things. <laughs> yeah, I, I work on a lot of them at once. And okay. in that way, they're very printmaker-like. Yeah. Where I'm doing about 10 at a time. Okay. And it's very slow rotation. So they end up being generations of each other. So this one idea that I had may kind of manifest itself in like seven other paintings that come with it. And they sort of blend into each other. And sometimes if you even put them all together in a line, they look like they go together as a landscape. Oh, wow, yeah. And, and in that way, I've had this idea to like take all of my past paintings chronologically and do like a flash movie where they all blend into each other. Yeah. That, no, I'm um, sorry, did you, did you, when you mentioned a flash movie, was that something that you imagine or is that something that you actually intend to create or uh, I, I do intend to create it oh okay that's great yeah. so it would be this really kind of fun morphing from the beginning of of my work till yeah I, I i think it'd be interesting yeah definitely and you you brought up um the idea of the filmmaker how you know dealing with the the, the format and that that seems to be creeping up on you yeah i've always been a cartoon junkie I yeah. love cartoons, and in this way, I think my work, the way I'm approaching this idea of doing this short movie is very uh, stop-motion animation kind of right, thing. Yeah. Like, like these, one painting is one cell, you know, and, and they all kind of, like, move together. Right. And so this, like, to me, it's this really long, drawn-out, one-minute movie. <laughs> <laughs> I've been working ten years on. Nice. Well, that that'd be a heck of a um, a project, I think. Yeah, I guess I guess I'm almost done. All I have to do is put it on, a, make a make boop. it move. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to thank you. Uh, that was uh, certainly a nice journey that I've been on, and hopefully our listeners will be um, moved as well. Um, and I just want to say one thing. Uh, I want to let people know of your website, which um, it's uh, tsilvabarbosa.com. That's right. And that is uh, S at the end, not the Z, right? That's right. Yes. If you just Google my name, right. you'll find me. Okay. Well, thank you, Tracy Silva Barbosa, for joining us on the podcast. Thank you so much, Philip Mellon. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> let me do that again. Thank you so much, Philip. You're welcome. All right. We'll see you soon. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you from Oddcast. You just listened to Oddcast. We want to thank you from all of us here at Oddcast. Please come back to Oddcast in the future.